Oh, yeah. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It's your buddy Gavin. By the way, I say good evening because it is the evening right now. It's like 7.30 at night. August 8th, 8-8. ESPN, the Ocho is on. Literally. Anyway, it might not be evening where you are. Maybe this. Maybe it's the morning. Maybe it's uh, the middle of the day. So, you know, disregard the good evening unless it's, you know, either way, good tidings to you and all of your, all of your peeps. Filibuster Freestyle have kind of an impromptu Thursday night pod. Jeremy Johnson, our buddy on the West Coast from Man Cook Good, is supposed to call us uh, for a little segment we like to call Jeremy from the Car. Um, a little homage and ode to Colin Talk Radio of Days of Yore. Um, Jeremy just texted me this morning or this afternoon and said, hey, how about I give you a shout? 4.30 West Coast time, 7.30 East Coast time or so. So I'm doing a little pre-recording here, getting ready. Um, I think Jeremy wants to talk about the demise of the Red Sox. He wants to do, you know, kind of put a fork in the 2019 Red Sox as a competitive baseball team. That's what I think. But Jeremy is always very capable of many, many a topic, sometimes borderline on a rant, but in a good way, like in an effective way and in a very entertaining way, which is what we at the Filibuster Freestyle and filibusterfreestyle.com are aiming to do. So listen... If you want to be entertained by Jeremy and others, check us out. Website, like I said, filibusterfreestyle.com. On Instagram, at filibusterfreestyle. Subscribe via SoundCloud. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe on Google Music Play. You can leave ratings, leave reviews, help people find the show. Places listening, I've mentioned it already this week, but we've had some changes in the rankings. Number two right now after the United States is Australia followed by the U.K. and France and Spain in a three-way tie for third. Also have Germany, Brazil, Moldova still in the mix, Greece, Ireland hanging on, and then Bahrain. They're there in the Middle East. So a lot of time zones, a lot of fun, a lot of listeners. We really appreciate it as always. Here comes the theme song. After that, our buddy and yours, Jeremy Johnson from Man Cook Good. All right, folks, as promised, Jeremy Johnson in the car. First time, long time, except that he's been on all the time. Hey, buddy, what's up? Hey, how's it going? Dude, it's great. Uh, I've let the I've let the folks know that this red this um, podcast is actually titled Red Sox Are Done Podcast 2019 Edition. And you hit me up, um, I don't know, four or five days ago, and, and said you want to do a post mortem on the Red Sox. And at the time, it was like August third, and they were a week removed from taking three out of four from the Yankees to give us all a little false hope. And then they promptly lost what nine in a row. So I would say your prediction slash Sentiments were 100% dead on. So what do you want to talk about in terms of the Red Sox being Dunsky? What a joke. <laughs> what an absolute waste of all of our times and all of the you know, her, Henry Werner Group's money. And, like, what a flop. And I put all of the blame all of the blame on Dave Dombrowski. Mo- no, most of the blame on Dave Dombrowski. Now, if the starting pitchers don't suck, then the bullpen wouldn't have been exposed quite so early in the season. And 
then maybe, you know, we'd be more games over 500 in the mix. But that guy, the arrogance on that son of a bitch, like, he <laughs> is it still a swear if I say it quietly. He, after the trade deadline, he says, if we had been closer to first place, then I would have been more motivated to get more help. Okay, Gavin? Okay. Um, he said those words, and then all you got to do is just run your little index finger down the spreadsheet and look at blown saves. Okay, let's say at the time, because it's been like a week, so we've got like three more blown saves, but... Um, Let's just say at the time we had 20 blown saves, okay? Now, let's say we're an average team. Yep. With, um, we're, I'm not, we, we're blowing only 10 out of 20, and we get 10 more wins, okay? Now, let's dr- drag our little index finger back to the standings, and you look at what would 10 more wins do for this team? Now, just for the sake of argument, at the time of 7.31, but at the trade deadline, when the team was officially dead, by the way, yes, that was when the heart rate, we were on CPR for a few days because we're a hopeful bunch, but they were dead in that moment. They would have been right in the mix for the American League East with the bleeping Yankees and leading the goddamn wild card <laughs> by several games, Gavin. The reason why they weren't in first place is because he didn't replace like hundreds of quality innings that left after Joe Kelly, bleeping Joe Kelly, who sucks in LA. Okay, great. Let him go. You're a genius. Replace him. Stupid. Let Craig Kimball, Craig Kimball grow, go because he costs too much. He's not as good as his numbers indicate. You don't have value the closer is my whatever. <laughs> replace him. Replace him with a, like a hundred innings that don't suck. <laughs> We've got a bunch of guys named like Josh and Hector and Matt and Steve and like Stephen Wright. Like, or, oh, 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 Kashner. Kashner is the that's what he's holding up as like well we weren't you know inactive at the trade deadline you have to remember we added a player and we think that Nathan Evaldi provides a lot of Evaldi sucks out of pen Castor sucks as a starter Evaldi is why we don't have good bullpen guys because Dombrowski drove a truck full of money up to his house bidding against basically themselves for a guy that's always injured and was a hero in the playoffs, but like, what the hell, Dave? You gave Chris Sale all that money <laughs> before he needed to be paid. He still had this whole year. He's still in the old contract, Gavin. He's been terrible all year. Yeah, he's been Imagine terrible. Imagine how much better we feel if Chris Sale was coming up on a new contract right now after such a terrible year. We'd be like, man, we got a chance to either get Chris Sale for cheap or we just dodged a bleeping bullet. Instead, we're stuck with the guy. Yeah, took, we're stuck with the Evaldi. Took the bullet right to the head. Dollars. Took the bullet right to the head. Double tap. <laughs> and then he blames the team. Which, by the way, says, and they just—they didn't. They have not. But they—they're the highest scoring lineup in baseball. Yeah. So to your point, if they blow half the saves, they're right neck and neck with the Yankees. They're in first place. They're right, like they're right there, and then they're going out and they're buyers at the deadline instead of losers. 
Yeah. Like, what, and now they're just, because they, they know, that clubhouse knows they needed help. They're looking at each other every time the bullpen blows it. And that 20-something saves number does not count all the, like, leads that they've blown in the fifth or the sixth inning or the leads that they've blown that have, like, made a game that should have been a cakewalk, like a 7-2 to win, and instead it's 7-7, to and they got to gut out some win. Just last night is a perfect example. They're playing the Royals, who suck, okay? By their own admission, they suck. We get the lead. Yep. They come back. We take the lead again. Now we're up four two. You know we're up four two. It's like all right, cool. Let's just coast this one out and get a win. And one of the Evaldi gives up the runs to tie the game. They go to extra innings, have an hour and change rain delay, and now they have to make up the game in the middle of August on an off day. What like what a perfect microcosm of what a disaster this team is, and it's a joke. It's a joke, man. It's a joke. It, it's everything that went right last year. They just thought they thought they could just roll it back, which is never works. It never works in baseball. They they forget how they won, man. It was all like bubble gum and, and fishing line at the end, like. Yeah, they had no, they had no third starter and no closer for the final series for the World Series. Yeah, they, they were they were trying out like guys were pitching on like you know thirty one hours rest and like barely making it through and like they ran into a, a Dodger team that was like throwing up on themselves inexplicably. They got lucky against the Yankees. That ball goes a, a half of an inch on the bat or an eighth of an inch on the bat lower, and that thing's a home run. You, they got—I mean, the Astros were like it was like a freaking cockfight, which I could say. Yes, you can talk about animals. Yes, you can say right? you can say that. Yes, you just happened to pull that out. <laughs> all right, that was not like a, we didn't breeze through either one of those story series. No, and, and those. Cocky bastards in the in the front office, like, oh, I want Dombrowski out. I'm so tired of listening to him already. I mean, he got the World Series, and look, I, I mean, all right, non-Boston fan is closer. Shove it, all right? I know we're complaining. Our team just won the World Series. We've got the highest-paid team in baseball. We've got a half a dozen guys in their prime, okay? Like, this is the time. This is the window. In two years, it might not be the window. It might suck again. Yeah. But this is the time. You have to hit in your window, and you have to at least give your guys a chance to compete. I'm not complaining because they lost in the ALCS or in Game 5 of the Divisional Series. I'm complaining because the general manager hamstrung them from the start because of his arrogance. And now he's telling me like he's Donald Trump's freaking spokesman that the sky isn't blue. I mean, it's like, are we kidding me? You're telling me that the bullpen actually has been fine? Right. I, I, I paid attention, Dumbo. <laughs> this is awesome. Dude, he's like, I've been, you know, me and... Mattioli, all right, Dan, friend of the pod. Friend of the pod, Red Sox Anonymous. We message like 125 games a year. We exchange at least, you know, a handful of messages, right? Sure, sure. And he is a brinksman, okay? Even when we're winning World Series. He's upset. He's, he's done with this team. 
these guys drive him crazy. I'm always my point is I'm always talking him off the ledge. I'm always like, look, man. Yeah, you're the optimist. Okay. <laughs> I'm the and I'm the, I'm the long I'm the long big picture long season guy. I still remember 2004 when we sucked and we had a guy who was like in the beginning of the season he was hitting like point thirty two and like. Next thing you know, we're down 3 nothing. the Yankees. We're all there. You don't need to hear. I remember that. I remember how it's a long season, and it's just all about playing good baseball at the end. But this team hasn't had it all year. They remind me of this season, Celtics. Yeah. Okay? They just, every chance they got to show themselves as a damn good team, they pooped their pants, and they blew it, and everybody took turns blowing it in the beginning of the season. First was the starters, then it was the hitting, oh, yeah. and then the bullpen showed up and was like, we got nothing, guys. And then it's like one guy after another, Pedroia and Stephen Wright and Mitch Moreland and Steve Pierce. Hey, nice signing, Dave. Well, Steve dude, dude he, there's actually uh, uh, an example of this already. It, it was the 2013 World Champion Red Sox. They signed a bunch of guys to to one year or two year deals who were past their prime. They all played well together. They gelled. They ran it back with a flying Hawaiian Shane Victorino the next year, and they came in last place. And they came in last place. And they came in last place. So this is like 2014 light. Yes. Because half our team is like 25. Yes. Okay. They ride hippie hops to work every day. And they're, they're, they're coming into their prime, dude. That's the difference, and yes. We're blowing their prime. We're acting like the Angels and Mike Trout. Like, you got to take advantage of these guys before they start costing you $300 million. <laughs> yeah. And, like, you got to take advantage of this time. I, I, you can't tell you how many time I've spent on the salary cap websites organizing by year, by salary, by opt-out. I'm just trying to figure out, like, how do we get out of this here? And you know what? We don't really. We're going to clear up, like, $40 bucks in cap space next year. Um, and uh, we're stuck with these starters. And, uh, well, shit, I don't know. I mean, you let Porcello walk. You got $20 million there. Pierce is gone. There's six. Moreland's gone. There's another, like, seven. There's some miscellaneous guys. Ruzi Castillo's almost off the books. That's cool. Um, <laughs> like, Justin Petroy's got like two more years. Chris Sale hasn't even started his contract yet. That's, in- that's intense. We got like Ichabod Crane out there throwing with this like whirling dervish elbow and he's shaking his head like, I don't get it. None of this stuff works anymore. Like, yeah, yeah. we can see that. You need to learn how to become a pitcher. And I believe in the guy. But he's not front of the rotation anymore. No, he's a fourth starter now. He's a fourth starter. Even I'll take third. But, like, David Price is, like, easily the least likable athlete in our lifetime. <laughs> That's true. But, like, well, can I ask you, ask you this question? J.D. Drew hit, like, a $60 million Grand Slam in 2007, right? Would you say would you say Price coming through enough in the playoffs, especially the World Series last year, was his two hundred and twelve million dollar like performance or no? Well maybe he's he's earned his money. Yeah. But he's an ass. No, yeah, no one I mean he's been in fights with Eckersley two years. 
he didn't he like and he doesn't perform and he's got that freaking hound dog mopey face and he never once will say one nice thing about the fans at Boston just throw us a bone with just a shred of marrow in it and we'll lap it from your hands you idiot <laughs> all you gotta do is just give it your all not start fights with beloved broadcasters and don't be such an idiot, man. I just want to, like, stand next to him and just hit him with, like, a little, like, low-voltage taser. Just, like, you know, like, 10 volts. Just shut up, dude. <laughs> like electro up. electrotherapy, a little bit. Oh, my God. Just, like, where... Oh, I can't stand his voice. I And, and he opted in, of course. He holds all the cards. I mean, like, he wins the World Series, and that's what he says? With yeah. All the cards now, guy. You know, like, now I hold all the cards. Like... No, you idiot. We didn't hate you because you sucked. We hate you because you're a jerk. By the way, when you say you hold all the cards, even if you're right, it means if you don't keep winning, you no longer hold the cards. Right. You're putting, you're qualifying everything on performance. Right. Which means if you don't perform. Right. Right. You know who didn't have a great lifetime stat line? Who's that? Trot Nixon. Okay. You know who loved Trot Nixon? Every. Boston Red Sox fan. Okay, we would have overpaid that guy and kept him there until his knees gave out because we loved him so much. Oh, look at right? like, look at Veritech. He wasn't good the last. Look at Tim Wakefield. The dude was making a million bucks a year, which is which is nice. But he he just kept his mouth shut and just did his job, and people loved him. Now he's got a job for life as a commentator in the studio. It's not hard. It's really not hard. Like the performance part is hard, but the dealing with the media part. Just don't be a dick. <laughs> don't be Carl Everett. Don't be Mark Witten. Don't be David Price. Don't be Kyrie Irving. Don't be Rick Fox. Okay, like just. I love that Rick Fox way. just got thrown in. That was a nice hey, pull. Rick, I'm talking to you, Rick, and your esports team. Okay, you hear me, buddy? Rick Fox is an esports team. What? Oh yeah, he's like a sponsors of like uh, oh, you're League break- of Legends team. You're breaking news over here. This is great. Yeah, man. All right. I'm all over it. I think his like kid was playing, and he like his kid didn't want to play sports, and he started looking into it. He's like, "Holy crap, there's a lot of money in this." So he got a team. Rick Fox, but, man. Well, listen, the Red Sox are done. Yeah. It's a shame we don't have a producer. I know you have a whole staff, but those guys are lazy. They're not listening to me right now. We should be playing taps. We should have started the broadcast with taps. It's over. You hear that? That's pretty good. It's pretty good. That was that was a crack research team, man. They are lazy. They are lazy. Fired and replaced with somebody that can pick up his mess. This is what he did in Miami. It's what he did in Detroit. Except in Detroit, his teams didn't pull it off. Okay, the Red Sox pulled it off. He got his ring, and now it's time. He just hits everything with like a freaking like. Bulldozer. Well, dude, exactly. Ass. How how are the Tigers right now, six years later? They're a friggin' mess. It's time to pull the plug right. and start handling this now before yeah. we turn into the 19-win Tigers, okay? Yeah, yeah totally. You don't, you don't want to be – first of all, first of all, with our payroll, and by our, I mean the Red Sox, but, you know, it's – I mean, I'm well, – you know, with our, with, with our pay with yeah, I I have sweat equity in the team. With our payroll, okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
they better not go that way. But the, they, the sooner they pull the plug on this guy and go a new direction. But the Red Sox are like this. They are built to um, overachieve one year, underachieve the next, have a magical year the next year, and be a dumpster fire the fourth year, and repeat. I don't, I don't buy it, Gab. I'm calling BS on that. This team should not have been built for that. Oh, I agree. An opportunity this offseason to not do that. Correct. And, and that still... is why I'm so upset. Yeah, I get it. Okay. This is not Johnny Gomez and the luckiest season on the planet. This is this is Mookie Betts, Ravi Devers having a career year. Yeah, amazing. Xander Bogart's having a career year. Jackie Bradley Jr. having what is his normal career year. You know, uh, JD having a down year, still gonna end up with thirty dingers. Okay, like, why do we got two guys to do the job of a first baseman? Like, why do we never give Sam Travis a, a shot at the big leagues? It's amazing. Just bring him up, dude. We can well, carry. Well, at this point, you might as well. This point, well, you might as well. Be better. Yeah. Be better. Like, let's see what he's got. Let's trade him if we like. Let free Sam Travis. Hashtag free Sam Travis. Filibuster freestyle. Come on. Oh, Filibuster I mean, free I'm, Sam Travis. So let's. I'm so happy we had this talk. I'm, dude. You are carrying. Not. I mean, you're carrying this pod like Devers is carrying the lineup. It's god. It's gorgeous. I'm sorry I didn't let you talk. About I, I don't I care. Frankly, I was I was ill prepared, and I knew that you'd have it in you. I told the fans that you were capable of what you just did. So all I did was prognosticate the amazingness that was going to happen while you drove home from work. Let's talk about Tom Brady. We got time. TFB. TB12. Happy 42nd belated, my buddy. Let's talk about something. We've touched on this on the pod a little bit, but I dug into it a little bit more this afternoon while I was talking to a friend of mine who sent me a stupid podcast that didn't actually make any sense. Giselle lives in Brookline. Right. Right? I used to live in Brookline. Does she go to Wegmans or does she go to... Shaw, no, Star Market. There's a Whole Foods like, not too far from her house I bet she goes to. Does Giselle take Route 9 to get to 95? Or Probably. Or does she come through West Roxbury? Probably 9. <laughs> does Giselle have an opinion about West Roxbury? Doubt it. Like, we grew up, you grew up closer there than I did. I grew up in Worcester, which is its own ecosystem. But that whole, like, corridor, like Chestnut Hill and Roxbury, Worcester, I mean, like, Brookline... It's a sleepy, high money suburb, right? Right. Giselle, now like, if your dad owned WCIS Savings Bank and you live in Brookline, you're having um, an upper crust Massachusetts life, right? You probably go to Cushing Academy, maybe Worcester Academy, and then you go to Nice University and you go to proceed to, you know, go on with your life. Giselle is like a global icon. Right. All right? Right. She's not a global icon because she's the like most successful quarterback in history. She's a global icon because she's like a goddess. She looks like a swan. She's one of the most beautiful women that humanity's ever produced. Her her poise, her, you know, right. all things. She's like the she's, zenith of what human genes are capable of at the moment. And, and like she's still like stunningly beautiful. She hasn't been on the runway since the Olympics and even before that. It was like, you know, it'd been a while. She basically had retired by then. And she go, she she has to deal with, like, Massachusetts traffic lights, which don't sync up or make sense. She has to, like, 
She's you know, package stores. She can't get liquor at she can't get wine at Seven Eleven at the most times. She's got to like run to like Connecticut to buy a bottle of wine on Sundays. Oh no, they they change that now. But but yeah, exactly. She has to like. She's like, wait, what? Well, why can't I buy a bottle of champagne at Wegmans? Why do I have to go to this other store? That doesn't make any sense. I'm like, is it Massachusetts? Oh, why do I have to fill out this form stating? That I have my private health insurance, so I don't get opted into this other mass program. You know, like what the Massachusetts bureaucracy, the, the winters, the the whole like like she's putting on parkas, yeah, driving the kids to school. For what Giselle has achieved in her own life, she is sacrificing so much quality of life for where she could be and what she could be doing for her forty-two-year-old husband to play a, a game for twenty-year-old men. It's, it's pretty. Ama- that's the unsung. Town, like, that's the unsaid thing. She should live in Monaco or Nice or like Rome or, or, or you know Shanghai or <laughs> New York, Lincoln City or or of course where I live, Los Angeles. It's, I mean, let's, know, let's point this out. Let's point this out. You're from Worcester. She's from Brazil. You live in Los Angeles. She lives in Brookline. Who's out kicking whose punt coverage? I would put it on you. you know, I mean, I I don't own any property, but if I did, it would also be worth in the millions. You know, like, I don't care if I own a knockdown, you know, two bedroom, it'd be worth seven figures. Right. It's just, I don't know, man. It just continues to blow my mind. And then Tom and. Giselle put their house on the market. I don't know if you saw that for for like a day. It was on Zillow. Oh, it's back so, off. Now, by the way, we all know his address. Like I looked up his address on Google Maps because I, I was like, well, I might as well see exactly where it is. And that's what started this whole thing. Hey, can I ask you a question though on the timeline? So, did he sign the did he sign the new contract and then they listed it? Is that the order? Signed the new. "Quote unquote extension, which is not an extension. Um, the Patriots put lipstick on it and said he signed this big money extension. He didn't. The next day, the house went on the market. It was on the market for a day, and now it's apparently off the market, or at least not on Zillow because that was probably a mistake. Maybe Caldwell Banker like automatically populates their Zillow. Do they use screen. Caldwell Banker? I doubt it. Yes, they do. They do. They do." They're using my Uncle Mike at Century 21, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, well, you got to get the mustard jacket. Uh, you got to use a real realtor, not a real estate agent, guys. For, um, for, for sure, for sure. But, so, <laughs> all right. Maybe it takes two years to sell a $40 million house, okay? That's fair. Uh, so, but... There's a couple Especially after your glowing, after your glowing Brookline, uh, you know, <laughs> breakdown. <laughs> Forty million dollars for a house in Brookline. I mean, it's a nice house, but like. Yeah, I'm I'm 100 with you. That's like Kurt Schilling's. With it. That's like when Kurt Schilling and Drew Bledsoe had the same house in Medfield for 10 million. 10 million in Medfield, you could buy Medfield. You don't need one house. Yeah, I mean, their whole house in Medfield, exactly. You could buy half of the houses. <laughs> yeah. How about you buy all of Medfield or buy Kurt Schilling's house? I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to buy all of Medfield. I'll, I'll, I mean, there's a lot of good businesses in Medfield. Oh, I love Turn Medfield. Medfield, Turn ride or die. Ride or die. Route 109. Anyway, so what are, what's Brady thinking? What's he going to do? Do you ever see him playing in another uniform? Where is this going? Here's what I'm 
hearing Tom Curran is seems to be dialed in. Yes, with, um, the many Brady folks family. think that. Yes, and he's got a very um, negative angle on this, but it's not that he's going to leave. What it is is what he what I'm what I'm interpreting um, is that Brady went into that um, contract negotiations like, look, um, I'm going to play three more years. Just give me um, some money and the contract, and uh, let's go back out and play football. And Bill was like, well, you know, Tom, you know, it's a 42-year-old quarterback. It's, you know, it's a missing return, so it's a higher risk. Uh, I don't want to tie up the salary cap. Um, how about we give you a raise? We'll clear up some salary cap space. Maybe we can go get Trent Williams and actually have a left tackle. And, um, you know, well, let's make another run at it, win another Super Bowl. And then Tom and Don Yee are like, well, um, that's not what we want to do at all. And Bill's like, well, you know. That's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do. So um, you get a raise, and uh, we'll call it this. And this four-year thing, you know, it spreads out the salary cap. Mumbling like Bill, fidgeting with your fingers, and also diabolically, you know, staring down the, the you know, goat. Um, and Tom was like, I don't like it, but I don't want to deal with this BS. So um, I want to do the void years, and I you cannot franchise me next year. So basically, he signed the deal. Got the raise, which put him like in the top ten of quarterback payment, which is kind of standard for him, except for last year. Yep. And um, he uh, he didn't have any un- unobtainable um, goals, you know, incentives. Yep. Yep. And next off season, Tom will become a free agent, and yeah. they cannot franchise him. Not that Bill's gonna franchise him because he cost him like thirty five. I was gonna say that goes from twenty three million to thirty five million real quick. That's never gonna happen, right? But it's a point of leverage, and Tom um, didn't want. I love how I'm talking about as though I know him. I like it. No, keep going with this this premise. I like it. Tom doesn't want anybody to have any leverage over him as he reaches his like twenty first season with the Patriots. Yep. And at the age of 43, he doesn't want to play games. He So next year, they're probably going to negotiate another one-year contract. Um, and maybe what will happen is Tom will do the Dante Hightower, uh, Devin McCourty, Patrick Chung, he's a bad example, Julian Edelman Memorial Tour, where you go around, take some meetings, get your market value, Bring it back. Bill says, well, you know, I guess we can do this. <laughs> Gives him the money. And, you know, maybe he signs like a one-and-one one for next year. And, or Tom blows out his elbow and he's done. Or Tom sucks all year because they gave him, you know, crap for wide receivers and a porous offensive line. And said, "We're just going to go Benjamin Button and turn back the clock to 2001 and hand the ball off and um, win with defense." And sorry, Tom, your numbers are really crappy, so we're not going to pay you top dollar. Tom's going to say, "My numbers are crappy because you put all the money in the defense and you didn't give me anybody to throw to except for Jules." But he cut his thumb, and and we get the kid, but he's a kid, and we got a bunch of other guys. So maybe that's how it goes, and he doesn't get the big money. But I think right now it was just 
an effort to just kind of make the story go away. Unfortunately for Bill, um, you know, there's a bunch of media guys in that town that they may turn into pussycats when they're in the press conference room. But when they go home and write, they actually know what they're talking about. So, yeah. Well, I'll tell you yeah. what, it's going to be interesting because I think unless he has a terrible year or experiences a catastrophic injury, the market, first of all, even if he has a terrible year, based on the argument you just made that he can say, well, I have no receivers and no offensive line, that tends to matter. Some team's going to be like, well, here's $30 million to play for us for the next two years, the player option for the third. Yeah. No question. Give him a Peyton Manning, the Peyton Manning two year deal. Uh, you know, I mean, like, you think the Giants would like him? <laughs> how, I, how ironic would that be? Well, the stopgap that Brady provides, you can you can be crappy right now, you can get the good draft pick, and then you bring in Brady and you throw a bunch of money at free agency that you're going to have to deal with later, but you know you're going to have to deal with later? A cheap quarterback that you just drafted that's still in his rookie deal. Yeah. So there's a way that a team could shoot the moon on this. Hey, let's say you're... Um, you're, you're uh, McVeigh out in L.A., and you've got a chance to kick rocks on Jared Goff and bring in Tom Brady for two years with that team. Um, yeah, you do yeah. that. You do that. <laughs> yeah, you do that. You go ahead and, and you do that. You score more than three points in the Super Bowl. Dude, if, Tom, if Tom Brady played for the L.A. Rams, how much and, – and they opened their new stadium all at once – I mean, how much juice does that team have in L.A.? Yeah, they, yeah. they'd have a lot of looky-loos coming by to check it out. A lot of tire kicking. A lot of potential season ticket holders. A lot of looky-loos. The money would be there, but the passion, you know. Right. Well, that's what happens. passion would not be there. No, but I don't know. I... Here's the thing. But the people will show up? Does he get to, does he get, so 45 is, is literally this season. Next season, the season after, and then in the next training camp, he would play as, as a 45-year-old. He's 42 now. Yes. He'll play 43 next year, 44. That's four more seasons, including the one we're in. That seems like one too many. I think it's a three-year three thing, but yeah, he turned 42, 43. 44. It'd be three more seasons on top of this one. Yeah, so yeah. he, I don't, I mean, does he have I, I 64 regular mind. season games left? Holy cow. Here's scenario B, and I know we're And I love the guy, and I love the guy. But scenario B is Tom has been saying 45 all along because he's trying to throw everybody off the scent so he doesn't have to answer the same Every single year, every single year. Again. You're right, you're right. No, it didn't work because we can't stop talking about it. I mean, we're talking about it right now. <laughs> we tried. Okay, he tried. Yeah, you're right. And um, so, but 45 is just this number that he's like, I'll just tell him 45, and then um, and I'll buy myself I can five years. Say, hey yeah. guys, I already told you, and um, and he maybe he's not even maybe this is his last year. Maybe Dude. that's why the house is on the market. Maybe that's why they're looking to buy property in New York. Maybe that's why he got the William Mars talent agency for entertainment stuff. By the way, you know, wouldn't wouldn't you put it on the market for a day just so enough people know you want it? So then, offline, people can walk up to you and be like, "Hey, town, I'll give you forty cash right now. We'll do it at the end of the Super Bowl." I guess. I mean, it seems like kind of like a game. I mean, he also did it to screw the Pats a little bit and to make them feel like, "Oh, okay, we're." 
maybe, but like, I mean, Tom, like, really, like, Tom and Giselle and their financial advisors are like, Here, I got an idea. Here's a way that we can stick our finger on the Patriots for a minute to make the fans mad at them. I mean, like, what, what's the point? Like, is the house for sale or not? Yeah, well, we'll see. I, so what do you, I mean, how optimistic are you going into camp, coming into camp, out of camp here? I mean, you got a game tonight, right? They're playing tonight or tomorrow, whenever. Um, They're playing, like, now, yeah. Yeah, so, so again, this means nothing. This game means nothing. You, you think, what do you think? Super Bowl or busts? AFC title number whatever? I mean, AFC East title whatever? Like what? My predictions for the season? Yeah, and this is not fair. I didn't ask you to, like, break anything down. Well, I think that last, like, last season is probably a good template for it. They're going to be a team in progress most of the year. But I think their defense is going to be really good. I think they're going to be... They're going to be running the ball a lot. They're going to be um, playing ball control, field position, and um, that they're going to win some lower-scoring games, and they're going to lose some head-scratchers, much like they did last year. Yep. And as the season goes on, they'll get better and better. Maybe Josh Gordon comes rolling in in Week 11, and maybe you know Nikhil Harry turns into a, a legitimate threat, and maybe... Edelman doesn't smash his thumb like playing Hungry Hungry Hippos or whatever the hell he was doing. And, you know, the maybe Gronk comes back. Maybe Ben Watson returns from his, you know, his suspension with, like, decent hands. But I think it's going to be a lot of checking down of the running back and a lot of running up the, up the mouth of the uh, defense and trying to take advantage of these smaller defenses. And their margin for error is going to be thinner. But... AFC East, minimum, um, probably win a home game in the divisional round. And then it's all about, like, you know, does Andy Reid blow it again? Yeah. Or, who, you know, like, who else is there out there that's going to come out of, the, out of nowhere? Okay, let me ask you one question unrelated to any Boston team. Now I'll let you go because it looks like you're home. The Browns, the Cleveland Browns hype machine is, like, it's 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 inexplicable. Yeah. What do the Browns do? Do they do they do they go eight and eight or better? I don't think so. Saying here first. I, uh, yeah, I mean they're really volatile. They're and they're like they are the coolest thing in football right now, except for maybe Antonio Brown's toes. Woo! Oh, that's a sick uh, burn. Sick burn. Third, third best injury in football ever. And here's my power rankings. Number one. JPP blowing off a finger, blowing fireworks. Number two, Plaxico Burris shooting himself in the leg. And number three is now Antonio Brown doing some, like, unlicensed, cryptogenic, like, burn where he got frostbite on his feet. Which, besides Um, his hands, are the most important part of his body. Yes. So what he does, he's a wide receiver. He needs his hands and his feet to be pristine. He landed in freaking training camp in a hot air balloon. What a disaster. But it, Browns, I'm going to say the Browns, I watched them a lot last year because they were the darling of red zone because they were on until the very end because all of their games were close and compelling until the very end. Yes. So I got a lot of enjoyment out of the Browns. They mostly fell apart, but it was still fun to watch. I think that they're going to take the step forward. Okay. They're going to be better. Right. They're going to go 8-8, eight and eight, maybe 9-7. and seven. Maybe they got lucky, go 10-6. and six. It's a little bit of a down year for their division. Maybe this is their chance. They finally have that Hugh Jackson character out, and um, they've got some talent. But teams need to learn how to win, 
and um, and generally that happens by losing close games, um, hanging tough in games we're supposed to lose. Yep. And um, and they, they learn how to close games out and win games. And I believe that uh, they're going to learn a little bit this year, but maybe next year is their year to be cool. Cool. All right, man. Well, I'll let you get inside see your family. Thank you, my friend, for putting a, 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 a nail in the coffin of the 2019 Red Sox. That was entertaining as hell for me. Hopefully the listeners enjoyed it as much as I did. PhilBusterFreestyle.com. Leave a gosh darn rating on Apple Podcasts. Jeremy and I implore you. JJ, stick around for two seconds. I'm going to end the pod, but thanks for being on, buddy. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. So, ladies and gents, just a little uh, epilogue. JJ. In Fuego this evening. Hope you enjoyed it, as I said a second ago. Half as much as I did. Uh, nobody can rant it in the car like JJ. He is a seasoned pro. We appreciate him. Check him out, his work. He's actually a great cook. Man Cook Good. It's on his Instagram feed. He makes some great stuff, good recipes, um, and in addition to being a diehard Boston sports fan. So, philbusterfreestyle.com. Again, rate the pod on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Music Play or SoundCloud, and check us out on Instagram ourselves at Filibuster Freestyle. Thanks for listening.